follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We know that you want to live an inspired and fulfilling life. Maybe there are a few things that you need to get you there. Welcome to What Matters with your host, Mary Beth Lodge. In today's world of distractions, we can get overwhelmed with day-to-day responsibilities that keep us busy, frustrated, and confused. With an emphasis on the power of the mind and drawing on the fields of personal health, education, neuroscience, business, and spirituality, we'll discuss practical strategies to help you stay focused on your priorities, choices, and results. Now... Here is Mary Beth Lodge. Good morning. How are you today? Thank you for joining me today on What Matters. Today, I'm going to challenge you to make a difference. Can you do that? Can you find a way to make a positive difference in your world today? Can you make a change within yourself that will carry ripples of positive change into the lives of those around you and well beyond? So for this hour, okay, really listen. Spend the time listening for you. How does this apply to you? Not your significant other, your best friend, your child, your parent, or your coworker. Just you. You are the only person you can really change. You are the only person you are responsible for. And you are the person that can truly make a difference. Yeah, I know, you're busy. We're all busy. We lead very busy lives. I specialize in busy, but sometimes, you know this, busy just means distracted, and the distractions lead us away from our goals. Are you taking for granted the people in your life and the actions that you take that are most important to you? Are you spending your energy on things that don't really matter? What are the choices that you make in your world When you make a decision as to how to spend your time, do you consider the impact that that decision will make? How do you touch the lives of the people you meet? Do you create sunshine wherever you are? Let's start by making our own sunshine. What are you grateful for today? Well, I see the sun just peeking out from a day of grayness, so I'm really appreciative of the sunshine out in the world. But I also know that I have to carry sunlight from within me. And I am grateful this morning for good health and all of the freedom that that truly means. I'm also grateful for how the flow of energy occurs between us. And I'm talking about all levels of energy, not just the exchange of relationship, but the exchange of things like the energy of money and the energy of 
different items that we share or give or receive. All of that, you know, we are always taken care of when we allow energy to flow through our lives. And I'm thankful for the things that really count. The little things. Smiles between strangers. The gift of presence. Compassion and love. Those are the things that I'm truly grateful for today. Now this morning, we have an incredible guest with us. Her name is Meadow Lynn. She's a noted speaker, writer, and chef. And she's the daughter of Denise Lynn, world-renowned healer, teacher, and author of 16 best-selling books. When she was 18 years old, Meadow, a self-taught chef and lover of all things edible, started catering her mother's retreats, and which she's been doing ever since. That has led to an extraordinary collaboration with her mother on a brand new book, The Mystic Cookbook, The Secret Alchemy of Food. Filled with luscious recipes, imaginative meals, and magical wisdom, they open a portal for you to embark on the sacred journey from nourishment to nirvana and to harness the hidden dimension of food. It was while cooking for her mother's retreats during her summer vacations that Meadow saw the powerful connection between not just what we eat, but also how we eat and how we feel. Eating well brings balance and harmony to mind, body, and spirit. Meadow believes good food should be a celebration of life. Having watched countless people transform their lives simply by making mealtimes fun and delicious, she made a choice. A French teacher with a master's degree in French cultural studies from Columbia University, she gave up her eight-year teaching career to to devote herself to helping others savor their lives more fully. Blending her academic background with her spiritual upbringing, she makes eating and living well become something that seems easily attainable, tasty, and fun. Meadow also writes a blog called Savor the Day, which is about life, love, and good food. With her mother, she's the co-author of Quest, a guide for creating your own vision quest, as well as the Mystic Cookbook. Her articles appear frequently in the Seattle Chinese Times, and she's a contributing writer in to In Spirit magazine. Good morning, Meadow. Good morning. It's such a joy to be here, Mary Beth. Well, I'm glad you could join us today. So, Meadow, this I've been looking at the Mystic Cookbook. I have a, a digital version, which, um, you know, it doesn't give me the, the satisfaction of turning the pages, but it's okay. It gives me the material. <laughs> <laughs> and you have, uh, I've never seen a book like this before. You've, you've taken food to a whole different experience. Tell us about that. It is. It's, it's different, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it is. You know, it's called the Mystic Cookbook, but really we've been calling it more of a it's a cookbook for life in a lot of ways. It includes, as you saw, a number of recipes, which in my very unbiased opinion, since I, I created and wrote them all, um, you know, very, very delicious recipes. And But also, in addition to that, it really has a lot of information about ways that you can approach the foods that you buy, the way that you eat your meals to really change and transform your life. And so really it's much more of a, um, as I said, a cookbook for life than a recipe book, if you will. Mm -hmm. Very spiritually based. It is because food is something that we need for physical nourishment. It feeds our physical appetites, but also food 
feeds our spiritual appetites too. And it's something that often, unfortunately, gets neglected in our busy, as you said in your intro, we're all busy and we race, race, race. And often food is an afterthought. But when it's eaten mindfully and with um, deliberately, that's the word I was looking for, when you eat deliberately, you are feeding yourself on a spiritual level as well. And often, too, when we're going too fast, that too is is affecting our spirit. Maybe not always for the most the most positive um, ways. You know, they say that what is it? It's eight seconds. If you call somebody and you ring the you know the phone's ringing, mm-hmm. eight seconds before you get fed up and hang up. Mm-hmm. Only eight seconds. So mm-hmm. we we you know, we've sped up our life where we're go 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 all the time, but we're actually not accomplishing anything any faster. And it's actually when we take those times to slow down and be in communion with our food, with those at our table, when we're cognizant of where our food has come from, that we really are actually expanding our lives. And believe it or not, when I, you know, when I take time away from my computer, which is not always easy, (laughs) and, you know, I sit down and have a lunch you know I I actually like to even in the winter when I can okay I live on the coast of California so it's not too hard to sit outside in the winter but (laughs) you know I'll sit on the porch I usually I'll have my lunch on the front steps and I'll throw the ball for my dog while I eat and just those few minutes away from my computer is so rejuvenating and revitalizing that I go back to work and I'm actually much more productive you know we think oh I don't have time I don't have time that's why we eat in the car we eat standing up we eat in you know, in front of the refrigerator with the door wide open. But actually, when we do take that time to slow down, it it feeds our spirit, feeds our soul, but also there's some really great practical benefits as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I have to admit, I'm guilty of all of those practices that you just described. <laughs> we, all, we all do. I do, too. You know, it's we can't. Well, I shouldn't say we can't. We choose not to because we do, you know, I I have a cup of my morning tea right here next to my computer. I usually, you know, I like to think that I would sit down always and enjoy the ritual, which I do, but not always. Sometimes I've got to do my email, got to do my email. I'll have my morning tea while I do my email. (laughs) You know, we all do that. So in establishing, I guess, a new ritual around food and kind of creating that spirituality or that spiritual connection to the food. How does that change our lives? Oh, goodness. I start with, a, I guess, an asinine statement, but how doesn't it change <laughs> our lives? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, um, you know, in so many ways, just starting with that recognition that our food has made a journey to get to us can be a very powerful moment, simply to be cognizant of the fact that somebody or a machine (laughs) planted that seed in the ground. Somebody tended to it. Somebody harvested it. Somebody packaged it up for market. Somebody stocked the grocery shelves. Somebody, you perhaps, you know, took it from the grocery store to your house. Then somebody in your kitchen, you or somebody turned it into a meal, and then it arrived in front of you. So often, we just see what's in front of us, and we, we neglect to realize or note, I guess, that 
it has taken a long journey, and each of those people has affected that food and been in, responsible for bringing it to you. And so sometimes just simply recognizing that can have lasting benefits. Also, another thing that we talk about in the Mystic Cookbook is the sense of place, the idea of origin, that certain foods have an aura about them because of where they've come from. And we can't take that food away from, well, I mean, we can physically take it away, but we can't, it's inextricable from where it has been grown in France. And this isn't even new age. In France, they talk about the idea of terroir, which, you know, as you said in your introduction, I have a master's degree in French cultural studies, and I wrote my master's thesis on the history and sociology of eating in France. So you can tell it's something I'm very passionate about. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but in France, they talk about this idea of terroir. And unfortunately, there's not a great translation in English. It's, it means land or earth, but it means something much more than that. It means the winds, the sun, the the minerals in the soil, the history of the land, the water, the rain, everything that goes into creating that area makes food grown there unique. And, you know, I'll use the example of wine because we think of France and wine. And in Bordeaux, they, there's five main grapes that are used to create Bordeaux wines, and they're blended in different combinations, Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, and I, I won't keep going, but um, you get the idea. <laughs> and those grapes grown in the Bordeaux region, blended among those five grapes, that's what creates a Bordeaux wine. And that's why they have this idea of um, food is labeled in France specific to where it's from, not just what it is. And so even though in California or in Chile or in Australia, they might grow those same grapes and blend them in the same way. It won't, according to this idea of terroir, it won't be a Bordeaux wine. It will be a wine that contains Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot grapes, but it won't be a Bordeaux wine because it doesn't have the same minerals, the same sunshine, the same history, the same land. And it's this idea that, you know, that there is an energy to a place. There is an aura of place. It's infused in everything that grows there, everything, the people even that come from there. And so when we drink that wine or eat the potato, you know, potato from Peru might be different from one grown in Ireland or Idaho. And we actually take in that idea of that terroir, that, that sense of place when we eat something. And that in itself is a spiritual experience. That's a, this is a very interesting reflection. Uh, you know, something that I've often noticed, but um, not with all of my food. Um, my brother is a poultry farmer, and when I get eggs from his chickens, they taste very different from any egg that I can buy in the store. Even the ones that are organic, even the ones that, you know, were free range, they're just different. Isn't that amazing? I have three hens right now. I'm watching them out my window. Mm -hmm. And it's true. There, I have never once been able to find an egg that tastes like theirs at the farmer's market even. I mean, my mom has hens too. Hers mm -hmm. taste like mine. But um, mm -hmm. you know what's interesting about that as well is my mom used to be allergic to eggs. And then when she started raising her own hens and eating the eggs, the allergy went away. 
And, you know, some people might say it has to do with, you know, there's higher omega-3s because you're eating fresh grass and they're, they're happy and they're eating bugs. But also she, she, she loves her chickens. Mm-hmm. They will come, you know, they'll jump in her lap and she mm-hmm. pets them. And I mean, they all have names. And so that love that goes into raising them also, I think, in a lot of ways, probably the same with your brother, it affects your experience of the egg and actually, you know, on a physical level, the way that it tastes. Yes. Yes, and it it is so very different. I mean, there and there's no way to describe it. You know, I mean, when you the flavor is different, and yet there's just no way to describe like how is that different? It just is. (laughs) (laughs) Especially with eggs, you know, since like with the heirloom homegrown tomato, you can say it's it's sweeter, it's more flavorful, it's more juicy. With an egg, yeah, it's just better. Yes. yes. <laughs> the color is different too. They sometimes are very, very, very orange. Yes, very, very bright. Yes. Well, Meadow, we do have to take a break. And when we come back, I'm, I want to talk more about that whole thing about color. So you're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Are you ready to make a change in your life? Would you like to discover the hidden obstacles to your success? Mary Beth Lodge is a certified life coach with a proven track record of guiding others to success. Drawing on mind-body techniques and concepts of neuroscience, Mary Beth will design a program specific to your goals, lifestyle, and personality. You'll develop a specific action plan to follow. You'll learn practical and easy strategies to move through your obstacles and reach your goals. You decide the area to focus on. Is it your weight, your health, or your professional goals? Mary Beth Lodge is a life coach, hypnotist, and health consultant. She specializes in working with people who are confused, frustrated, or discouraged by the direction of their life. She works with people who really want to make a difference in this world and are willing to take the actions to achieve their goals. She'll help you get clear on where you want to be and to follow through on the actions that lead to a healthier and more successful life. Visit LastingLifestyleChange.com to request more information or a free consultation. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to What Matters with Mary Beth Lodge. To be a part of our discussion on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to marybethlodge at gmail.com. Now, back to What Matters. 
Thank you for joining me this morning on What Matters. Our guest is Meadow Lynn. She's co-author of the Mystic Cookbook, The Secret Alchemy of Food. And Meadow, we were talking about just the, the quality of food being so different when there's love infused in the raising of the food, however however that's done. But we also mentioned that like the difference of the color of the eggs. But I think it's more than just the eggs. It's the color of food, isn't it? It is, and I have to jump in with eggs, and then I'll talk about the rest of the food because I love color. And when I when I chose the breeds of chickens for my own backyard flock, I specifically chose ones that had all different colored eggs. And the the, the taste of the actual egg is the same, but the shell is different. It's so exciting. I have one chicken that lays blue eggs, another that lays peach colored eggs, and a third that lays. Um, green eggs mm-hmm. it's so it's so beautiful <laughs> but anyway i just had to throw that in there <laughs> i find it so exciting but but color it affects us and our food on such a deep level for instance they've done research in a mental hospital or you know psychiatric wards that they found that pink on the walls calmed the patients down they've also done research, and this is not surprising necessarily, that red is, you know, it's the color associated with our base chakra. It's bigger and passion and stamina, but it is also an appetite stimulant. So you'll notice McDonald's and other even, you know, non-food stores necessarily, like Target, what color do they use? They use a lot of red because they know that in their marketing, that's going to make you want to eat more, buy more, do more. So color very, on a deep level, affects us, and we don't always know that it does. If you want to lose weight, they say eat on blue plates because blue is a calming color. It's an appetite depressant. They also, there is a study done with orange juice, and I find this fascinating. They gave a group of taste testers, two glasses of orange juice that were the same orange juice, but one had been dyed darker orange. Pretty much across the board, everybody said that the darker orange juice tasted sweeter. (laughs) Even though they were identical, we are trained that the brighter color, the darker, richer hue is sweeter. So they thought that it was. And then they gave them two new glasses of of juice This time, they were the same color, but one had sugar added to it. This time, the tasters could not detect a difference in sweetness between the two glasses. Mm -hmm. So in this particular study, color was a much greater indicator of perception of sweetness than actual sweetness. So it's amazing to see how on so many levels... Color affects not just the beauty, because, you know, as we've heard, we eat with our eyes, but also the way that we taste our food. So once you once you can latch on to that, there are so many ways that you can use it to your benefit, from eating on a blue plate if you want to lose weight, or, you know, you can change the colors of your walls in your kitchen or dining room for different energies, different feelings. You know, if you want to have a kind of creative, joyful feeling, maybe you paint the walls orange. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different levels that it can affect us. And it, uh, last summer, my mom and I taught a Mystic Chef Weekend workshop. And everyone in the class, we divided them up into the chakras. 
we had seven groups and they got a, 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 an allowance and we went to the <laughs> farmer's market and each group had their own chakra to sh- shop for. And they could either do it based on the color or the energy of the shock or whatever interpretation they wanted. And then we had a seven-course meal laid out in the order of the chakras. It was so much fun and such a powerful experience as well. And in the Mystic Cookbook, we actually give instructions for how you can create such a meal. Oh, how fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure that um, that all of our listeners would would recognize what that what that means in terms of the colors of the chakras, but at least um, maybe a, a description of the kinds of energies that each of those would entail. And you just when you talked about red, um, I, I realized um, I, I use red. I'm a hypnotist, and so I use red as a success color. Mm-hmm. And that's especially true for my smokers. I give them the color red as being a an automatic reinforcement of all of their suggestions. And when I uh, transferred that to my weight loss people, um, it didn't seem to work. And I was using a keyword called red apple. And I, you know, gave them all the reasons for that. You know, when you walk into the grocery store, you're gonna you're right in front of the produce section, and there's the red apples, and that will remind you to you know follow your food plan. Um, and I had, I actually had a client who said, I just don't like that word. I, I, it's not working for me. And so I switched to something totally opposite. I mean, just something that was, you know, not connected to anything. And he said, yes, I like that much better. But I didn't realize that red was an appetite stimulant. So I suppose that was the wrong thing to do anyways. I always figure that's why it's so hard not to overeat spaghetti marinara. Uh, <laughs> it's so red. I think, it's, you know, it's not that. It's not my self-control. It's because the whole meal is red. It's red. <laughs> well, okay. We can, we can put it on the outside there. <laughs> well, what about um, kind of the creating of the space? Um, you know, not just the foods, but also the whole, how, how things are laid out. How does that affect kind of our experience of the food? In so many ways. And I guess I'll start with first the, just the on your plate can make a difference because we are multi-sensory beings. Food is not just about taste. And actually, taste is only the salty, sweet, bitter, sour, and you know what the Japanese call umami. Everything else that we call taste is actually flavor, which is connected to smell, which I think is fascinating. That it's actually those are the only things that we can really taste. Everything else is something we're smelling, and I think mm-hmm. that is, it's kind of mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. But um, we texture, aroma. All of that affects our perception of food. And so when you take that time to to balance them, where you have different colors, different textures, different flavors, all balanced, different smells, all on the plate, and then you frame it. My mom likes talking about creating a place setting that's like a mini altar in a way. Just as a frame enhances a piece of artwork, it's the same with your meal. You can slop it on a plate And it can taste good. But when you take that time to artfully arrange it, it suddenly tastes really good. For instance, you know, think of eating raw oysters in a styrofoam bowl. That's super appealing. 
Mm-hmm. But you put those raw oysters on the half shell, on a bed of ice, a little bit of mignonette sauce in a beautiful cafe. Suddenly, you're spending 2 to $3 a piece for those oysters. <laughs> <laughs> so presentation matters. One, because it, it, it speaks to our aesthetic, of, you know, our beauty aesthetic. But also it goes deeper than that. And the more beauty we eat the more beauty we continue to welcome into our lives. It's the same. The more you see, the more there will be. And so it it does make a difference. And also it will make the food taste better, but it will also enhance the entire experience. But expanding beyond that, it can be the way that you set up your dining room, the way that you set up your kitchen. And in the Mystic Cookbook, we have specific ideas, instructions, suggestions of ways that you can use feng shui, the Chinese art of placement, to move things in your kitchen and dining room. Even something called space clearing, which can be anything from vacuuming to change the energy to spritzing some nice smells and aromas in the air to kind of freshen things up. All enhance that place to create more community, more divinity, whatever it is that you want to pull into that kitchen. And I know even myself that I have a very, very tiny kitchen, and I I sometimes am amazed that I've managed to write a cookbook (laughs) using my tiny, tiny kitchen, which means that dishes pile up because there's nowhere to put them. Mm -hmm. But I notice that when I take the time, like I did this morning, and I I, you know, scrub the counters, I empty the dishwasher, I put new stuff in the dishwasher, I scrub the sink. Suddenly, everything in my life feels better. I might feel like life is terrible. What am I doing? <laughs> and as soon as I, it's just, you know, just as simple as doing the dishes, suddenly life feels a lot better. And it seems, how could that be? You know, I did the dishes, now life feels better. But, you know, going back to antiquity, the the kitchen was the hearth. It was the center of the home. And even now, families gather in the kitchen. It really is the heart of the home. And so many of us so closely identify with our homes that it's hard to separate the two. And so when we bring in sparkling energy and it's clean, suddenly our life feels more sparkling and more expansive. So there's there's great power in both the way that you design your plate and set the table, but also in the energy that you create in the space where you dine and the space where you create the meal. That That's a very interesting point. I'm, I'm thinking about in my own home, there are two places that have to be clean, and it's something I do every day or not more than every other day, but the bathroom and the kitchen have to be clean. I don't care about the rest <laughs> of the house. It can be cluttered. It can, can be crazy, covered with cat hair. It doesn't matter, but the kitchen, it's got to be clean. It, and, it does. It makes a difference, doesn't it? I yes. want you to come to my house to so clean my bathroom and kitchen every day. <laughs> you can pick up the cat hair, too. I have a lot of that as well. Yeah, well, there's plenty of cat hair in my house. And, and you know, that is uh, that is also, you know, when you live in a house with cats, and, you know, I don't know how your cats respond, but, you know, my cats have to have rules because I just, there there have to be rules. I have too many cats in the house for there not to be rules. And, you know, when they <laughs> violate the rule of the counter, I don't, I am not happy about that. I don't want their little paws on my counter. You know? oh, no, no <laughs> way. <laughs> because my kitchen has to be clean. You know? <laughs> and it does make a difference in, uh, for me, in, in how I feel. Now, I have to say, I'm, I'm not good about 
my food preparation or making food, anything more than, you know, you call it sometimes in our lives it's an afterthought. I don't think it's even that good on my list. I mean, <laughs> I think it's like way past that. But, you know, I can always tell when I'm going too fast because the clutter in my cupboards gets too much. Mm-hmm. You know, all the, the plastic containers and the things that I haven't gotten to to put away where they belong. And that clutter in the cupboards starts to be a reflection for me of, okay, you need to stop. You need to regroup. You know, you clean this out. And and my life will change when I do that. I mean, very definitely. Isn't, that's, isn't that's, that amazing? It seems crazy. Like, how is it that throwing out an expired can of jalapenos could change your life? <laughs> <laughs> It does. It, you know, it's really that I think we start to feel, our lives feel cluttered when we have physical clutter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, gosh, I'm, I'm thinking of all these different ways I want to go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is a whole chapter in your book about spices. Can we talk about that? About it just... Yes, I love spices. Okay. <laughs> and... <laughs> And in the book, we talk about the secret alchemy of spice. And what's especially interesting with spice is that this is not a new idea. Going back to the Middle Ages, spice was how you showed how wealthy you were, how powerful you were, and even how divine you were. The spices, for the most part, came from the Far East. And at that time, it was believed that the Promised Land was in the East. So the spices came from the Far East, so people believed that they had come from the Promised Land. Mm -hmm. So these were divinely grown spices, but they were very, very expensive because they had a long journey. And spice at that time was more to... they, They were eaten with meals but it was more to to show that than for the flavor enhancing. Some people say it was because food didn't have good refrigeration back then and they used it to mask the flavor, but now research is showing that that might not actually be true. And then you think about um, during the Black Plague, the amulets that the thieves wore, you know, now you can get little tinctures of thieves something or other. (laughs) There's a mixture of cloves and other things. But spices have power and that has been assigned to them many many years ago and we still imbue them with that same power but today one of the wonderful or powerful ways that you can use spice in your kitchen is just taking time to be aware of your beliefs your memories and your associations with specific spices because whether you're aware of it or not every time you're using them you are igniting certain memories because our our olfactory system and our memories, part of our brain, are very closely connected. So when we smell something without even consciously doing it, we are remembering something from our past. For instance, for me, every time I smell dill, I smell salmon. (laughs) <laughs> and they're they're different, obviously. <laughs> but for me, I remember my grandfather used to live in Unalaska, Alaska, which is the far end of the Aleutian Islands. And we lived in Seattle, and he would come down to visit every once in a while, and he would bring salmon, and he had a special way of baking it with dill and aioli. And to this day, 
30-some years later. I smell dill. I remember my grandfather. I remember salmon. I remember the meals that we had together. And I can't separate the two. For somebody else, it might be fresh mint. They remember summers spent by a creek as a child playing with all the fresh mint, you know, wild mint growing. Or maybe for somebody else, it's cinnamon reminds them of the warm embrace of their grandmother or her rolling out the dough for cinnamon rolls or apple pie. That when we know what these memories are, we can consciously call forth the, the energy of those memories and infuse that into our food now. But also, if you have a bad memory or bad association, you can change it. You can use that spice to create new memories and new associations and do that consciously. And it might seem strange at first. You think, what the heck am I doing? This is crazy. But the more you do it, the, the more it will feel normal and natural. And even if you feel silly, if it works, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're going uh, to oh. take a short break. And I, I want to keep going on that because I think that's very, very important. You're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to make a change in your life? Would you like to discover the hidden obstacles to your success? Mary Beth Lodge is a certified life coach with a proven track record of guiding others to success. Drawing on mind-body techniques and concepts of neuroscience, Mary Beth will design a program specific to your goals, lifestyle, and personality. You'll develop a specific action plan to follow. You'll learn practical and easy strategies to move through your obstacles and reach your goals. You decide the area to focus on. Is it your weight, your health, or your professional goals? Mary Beth Lodge is a life coach, hypnotist, and health consultant. She specializes in working with people who are confused, frustrated, or discouraged by the direction of their life. She works with people who really want to make a difference in this world and are willing to take the actions to achieve their goals. She'll help you get clear on where you want to be and to follow through on the actions that lead to a healthier and more successful life. Visit LastingLifestyleChange.com to request more information or a free consultation. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to What Matters with Mary Beth Lodge. To be a part of our discussion on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to MaryBethLodge at gmail.com. Now back to What Matters. 
Thank you for joining me this morning on What Matters. Our guest is Meadow Lynn. She's the co-author of the, the Mystic Cookbook, The Secret Alchemy of Food. And Meadow, right before the break, we were talking about how the aroma, the scent of spice specifically can bring back either positive or negative memories. But you... You started a topic, and I think it's so important for us to, to kind of take that to completion because you talked about changing the effect, that if something has a negative memory or a, a negative feeling to it, that you could change that. with Right, and so what I was saying is you, you can change that by simply using that spice with the intention of I am creating new memories and smell that spice and do so that with that very strong intention, make new dishes, make new memories, be with different people, create something different, a new template. We don't have to be stuck with the old story of our lives. Mm -hmm. But then additionally, what you can do that's really fun is you can consciously choose certain spices to be, to have certain attributes. For instance, maybe I'm just going to randomly choose turmeric. It's bright orange and orange is often associated with creativity and joy. Maybe you want to feel more happiness. So you decide that turmeric is your happiness spice. And that once again, you know, as I said, it could feel kind of silly at first, mm-hmm. but, but the more, you know, it doesn't, why not try? You know, who right? you know, value in being silly. So every time that you sprinkle that turmeric, I'm sprinkling happiness into my soup. I'm sprinkling happiness into my curry. This is my happiness spice. And it starts to create that new template, to write that new story. And it can be fun, and it can have lasting effects. And after a while, you're going to see turmeric, and you're going to suddenly be feeling really happy, and you're not even going to know why. (laughs) And what a fun way to to do that. You know, I mean, there are so many, as you well know, in the... The alternative world, there are so many rituals and practices of changing beliefs and changing experiences and, and how fun to just play with the food. <laughs> yeah. And I believe in that strongly, you know, play with your food. So, you know, as kids, you're, oh, don't play with your food. But when you do play with it, you get a different experience of it. And they say in India that, you know, a lot of food is eaten with the fingers. And, you know, in many traditional cultures that you actually taste the food through your fingers. And, of course, it's a different way of tasting than we do with our tongue. Mm-hmm. But it does, you know, often when I when I cook myself rice, I just, you know, I'll fill my bowl, and the first two or three bites, I will, I will kind of grab it with my fingers and eat it before I put the curry or the stir-fry or whatever it is on top of the rice. Mm-hmm. And I only do this in in my home where no one can see me, of course. But there's something so satisfying about that tactile way of eating, about sticking my fingers in the rice and kind of squeezing it together and then putting it into my mouth. And it's a completely different experience than eating it with chopsticks or a fork. And actually, in the Mystic Cookbook, we even have suggestions on how to create a blind meal where you can eat an entire meal without the use of your sight, where your other senses are heightened and you get to experience food in a completely new way. And that can be really fun. How very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, someone else has to be serving, right? Because... Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> and that's how, that's we we have offered many uh, suggestions, as I say, on how you can 
pull it off. If you have somebody else serving, if you serve, you know, there's lots of different tips on how you can actually make it happen safely and cleanly. (laughs) (laughs) Good. (laughs) Well, what about when we have guests or we, you know, bring new energies, I suppose, other people into our homes? How does that, um, how, how do we affect that? How do we create a space where that would be the same uh, kind of experience of, of going from just feeding them to, you know, a, a whole relationship and, and spiritual experience for them? One of the things that we write about in the Mystic Cookbook is something that we've called the sacred art of hospitality. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't have healthy boundaries when family comes over for a holiday. You know, sometimes there's, you know, the, the annoying cousin who brings your purse dog and puts it on the table or, you know, someone else who helps themselves to, to the meal that you're planning to serve that night, you know, it's waiting in the refrigerator, whatever it is, you know, we all have our issues with, with our family that, so it doesn't mean you necessarily shouldn't have boundaries, but this idea of the sacred art of hospitality is that when you do invite people into your house, and I'm guilty of this too, sometimes I will spend Hours, days, cleaning, shopping, preparing for a meal. By the time the people get there, you're pooped. Mm-hmm. You just want to go, like, read a book in bed. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, mo- more often than not, you know, unless you have maybe a hypercritical mother-in-law or something, more often than not, people care less about whether or not you've dusted all the cobwebs from every corner than they do about feeling truly honored and welcomed. And one of the best ways that you can do that is by igniting this, as we call it, the sacred art of hospitality. And that is to be fully present with each person. doesn't mean you have to agree with them. doesn't mean you have to like necessarily what they say. But to spend time just being present with each person can make such a difference in your life and in their life. Just simply opening up your heart. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, I, I know we all do that where we have to clean the house and we're worried about, you know, what will people see when they come to our house? And, uh, you know, it, it occurs to me that I do like to look at people's space when I visit, mm-hmm. but I'm not looking for cobwebs. Right. I, you know, I, I'm looking for what books do they read or what, what things do they, what pictures do they have out or, you know, I'm, I'm just looking for what are the things that are special to them that they display very, at home. Very much so. I, and often that, that makes us, when we do see, you know, quote unquote imperfections, it makes us feel better about our own as well. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Just as you said, look at, you know, looking at the photographs, looking at the books, that also is a way of being present, seeing who are you, what, mm-hmm. what do you care about, what is important to you. And that is, you know, in the long run, much, much deeper connection than, look how clean my carpet is. <laughs> well, again, I said I have cats, and so I long ago gave up pretending that I could get up all the cat hair whenever people visit. So <laughs> I just need to not have any cat, cat hair in the food, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which isn't actually always easy. Right. Cats, right. Or long, I have long-haired cats. Oh. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so so talk to those of us who are, who are busy. How do we how do we make this fit into our lives to actually take the time? There are a number of things that you can do, and the first thing I'll throw out there is it actually doesn't take as much time as most of us think. And when you do take the time, as I said in the beginning, it actually makes you more productive. But if you really truly don't have the time or you don't have the inclination to spend time cooking, to be what we call a mystic chef, we talk about in the Mystic Cookbook about the book being a mystic chef apprenticeship, you don't actually even have to turn on the stove or crank up the oven. It can be simply the way that you approach your meals. It might be simply saying a blessing over your meal, saying grace, which people throughout history, many cultures do because it works. It might also be simply spending a moment noticing your food. When I spend time really looking at a cauliflower and seeing how beautiful it is, suddenly I enjoyed it so much more because before, you know, cauliflower is kind of like, eh, it's a cauliflower, you know, but when you really like, and it doesn't have to take a lot of time. You can spend 10 seconds, 30 seconds really looking at it or 30 seconds chewing slowly and really parsing out the flavor will create a different connection between you and your food. So it doesn't have to be, you know, in the end of the mystic cookbook, we have a chapter on legendary meals. These are the types of meals that people remember for a lifetime because they're not just about nourishment, but they're about experience. You don't have to do something that's legendary. It can be simply looking at how beautiful the shiny red skin is on your red apple. You know, it can be, or when you take time to cook something for yourself, it could be something simple like boiling some spaghetti and using a jar sauce, but sitting down at the table. It doesn't take that long. I used to, um, when I was a teacher, I started to see why people like prepared food because I was, you know, racing and I didn't have a lot of time at home. But I noticed that often the time to defrost something and warm it up took more time than making myself a salad, making myself pasta, even though I'd bought these supposedly time-saving prepared foods. So there are a number of different things, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. There are a lot more suggestions in the Mystic Cookbook that that people who are busy can use because, you know, as you said, we are all busy. Mm-hmm. And I think there's part of it is is also the satisfaction that one gets from the food. I mean, I, I'm sure that the the comparison between the pre-cooked food, the prepared food, and the salad that you made, the salad was far more satisfying. It is. It's very much more so. And you can see it on both a you know, nutritional side, it's more satisfying, but also because it it's my art, it's my creativity, it's my love, and I'm eating all of that when I take it in. And it doesn't mean that every time you have to make a salad, it has to be, you know, artistic masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But even so, you know, it's that time of you're, you're putting in carrots, you're putting in peppers, you're putting in cucumbers, all the different colors and textures, all of that. And you're choosing that and you're creating this palette that will affect your, your appreciation of it. And as I said before, it, it seems crazy, but it makes, you know, but it, it works. It has lasting effects in all aspects of your life mm-hmm. because, you know, we all have to eat. So mm-hmm. <laughs> might as well make it uh, something that is joyful because it's something that you're going to have to do 
every day. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's, um, there's a concept in your book about using intuition when one cooks. Can you talk about that a little bit? There's a number of different ways that you can use intuition. And the first way is very kind of practical. And I, I, I approach things in a much more practical way, I guess, than my mom does. And that's why we were a nice uh, blend mm-hmm. in this project. That first way to build your culinary intuition is by cooking. Learning what different cooking methods do. What's the difference between braising and sautéing? How best to hold your knife? You know, and you can do this by watching cooking shows on television, by reading magazines, reading cookbooks, taking classes. And all of those things are a great way to get those basics down. For instance, you know, you look at Picasso. It seems like, you know, he draws a circle and a triangle and calls it a woman. But he actually, and I went to a museum in Spain and saw some of his early works, he was classically trained. He knew the basics. He knew how to make something look realistic and then went beyond that and used his intuition to create something that was different, an abstract vision of the world, how he saw it. And so you can do that in cooking, too. Once you get this base knowledge, then you can start to use your culinary intuition based on what you know to be true. But then on a more spiritual, energetic level, you can instantly you can use your intuition to choose which foods are healthiest for you, which ones are most nourishing, satisfying for you in this time. And one, there's more suggestions in the Mystic Cookbook, but one thing you can do is simply close your eyes and hold a food in your hand and imagine like a stoplight. You know, red is, nope, not for me now. Yellow is neutral, maybe, maybe not. Green, yes, this is a go for it. And you can do this simply just close your eyes for a second. No one even has to know and tap into your own intuition and see what works for you and what doesn't at this time. Well, Meadow, I want to thank you so much for um, just sharing everything that you have today um, and just leading all of us, all of our listeners into uh, an experience of looking at food as more than just a necessity. <laughs> 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 and um and you know the the book is so beautiful you have uh, the photographs in there are just of gorgeous food and just even that just opening that book and looking at the pictures is soothing you know there's there's a nourishment that comes just from the beauty of that and so i i know you were a, a big part of of that aspect of it and i really appreciate you for that Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, we do have to close this up, and and I I just want you to go on forever. I could have you talking. <laughs> oh, you better watch out. I might. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, again, I just I really appreciate you um, taking the time to talk with us about the Mystic Cookbook. Um, give us the website where people can order it. It is at um, themysticcookbook.com. There's information about the book. But to order it, it's best to go to hayhouse.com, the publisher, or Amazon, or your local book retailer, too. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. And now, again, for our listeners, this is your call to action. It's time to take what you heard and put it in place in your life. So how can you make a difference? Go out there. Make it a great day. You deserve it. Thanks again for joining us for What Matters. 
Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll help you continue to make a difference next week.